and the way it was running just did not look like any human. Immediately, felt like someone was watching. Something was watching. We seen some eyes, which were glowing a bright red. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to this Sasquatch show, brought to you by Nicola Valley Bigfoot. Sit back and enjoy. Welcome to the show, everyone. Thank you all for being here. we got a great show lined up for you guys. I have a very special guest on the line. Uh, he's going to sit and talk to us about uh, all things Sasquatch. Uh, he's very well known within the uh, British Columbia Sasquatch community. Uh, his name is Thomas Seawood. Now, if you don't know who Thomas is, he's uh, he's got a few projects on the go uh, concerning you know uh, YouTube shows and his podcast and his Facebook page. So we're going to get into all of that in, in a few minutes here, but... If you've had an encounter and you'd like to be on the show, I can be contacted at NicolaValleyBigfoot at gmail.com. I want to hear you guys' stories. Yeah, we're really moving along with this thing. I'm quite surprised on how uh, the response on everything is. So uh, I'm, I'm really happy w- with what, what's going on. So I'm even happier that we have Thomas on the phone. So I'm not going to waste too much more of our time because I really want to get into this and I really want you guys to enjoy what, we're, uh, what we talk about. So uh, for the listeners, we'll be right back. And welcome back, everybody. I'm really excited to have our next guest on the phone with us. We have Thomas Seawood on the phone. Now, Thomas is very well known within the British Columbia Sasquatch uh, community. He's got a bunch of projects on the go, and he's going to tell us all about that. But I just want to say thank you very much, Thomas, for taking the time to be here. Thank, thanks for being here tonight, Thomas. God, thank you for having me on. And to everyone listening, Stanse, Gelakasla, greetings. My name's Tom Seawood. I'm a member of the Kwakwakiwak Nation. From northeastern Vancouver Island, but my mother is also full-blooded Cree from Mistawasis, Saskatchewan area. Oh, we might have some uh, some common ground. Uh, I'm from Saskatchewan too. I got Cree relatives too. Oh yeah, we're probably cousins like everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> right on. So Thomas, tell me a little bit about what what initially got you so involved in the, in the Sasquatch community. It's actually kind of funny because I did a video shoot tonight that uh, I, it was all about that. And what it was was all of the books that I bought as a kid about Sasquatch and then, of course, watching TV shows, you'd hear them refer to the Quakatoodle Indians from northern Vancouver Island call their Sasquatch the Bookwuss. And I just cringe because, no. Bookwuss is the little hair-covered bipedal creature that comes from the spiritual realm, and we have regalia, and it's brought to life in dance and songs in our potlatches to this day. And the big one, which is Sasquatch, the Kwakwala word is Chodakwa. So that's why I got into it. I got sick and tired of non-Indians 
mispronouncing Kwakwakiwak, my tribe, and calling me Kwakatoodle or something. And they couldn't pronounce Tonakwa, and they got it mixed up with Bukwis. And that's the main reason I got into it. So did you ever have any, like, how long were you into it before you actually had, like, initial encounters with, with, with these other people? I was a native guardian for our abandoned native village from 1988 through until about 2014. And living out in my traditional territories off-grid and bush water world in the Broughton Archipelago, it's called, here in the spring, summer, and into fall. You know, I used to go to bed at night and plug my ears going, la, 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 I don't hear that, Tommy, go to sleep, go to sleep, because you'd be hearing the Chodach, the Sasquatches yelling from island to island to one another. And, you know, the village I was in had a carving of a pole with a grizzly bear, and on the paws were Chodach, the Sasquatch faces carved in there. And you knew about them. You know, you brought up with it with the native uh, culture of ours. But I didn't think about it because it's, I was taught respect them. If you hear them making noise or throwing things at you or shaking trees, you stop, turn around, and go back where you came from and leave them be. When you go clam digging or go to a beach and you see the trolleys, the cockle shells broken and piled up, it's the Junachwa telling you that. We're harvesting here at this shellfish beach. You get in your boat, you go a mile either side, one of the directions, and that's where you, you look again. If there's no broken shells, you harvest. And that's what the Kwakwakiwak, like all Native tribes, have always done since the dawn of our creations. We share the, what the Creator's given us, but we also respect one another because they're the other tribe. That's all. So is that what kind of inspired you to start the Sasquatch Island and Seasons of the Sasquatch show that you have on YouTube? It is just to kind of educate people as to as to these people and, and, and why they're here and what, what, what they're doing? It's more, I guess, it's from educating. I think it's, you know, because humans are the dumbest critter on the planet. It's more hitting them upside the head with a 4 by 4 and smacking some sense into the humans that look around. Look what we're doing to our environment. We're destroying this planet, and we share it with the other tribe, with Sasquatch. And everyone's, you know, like, oh, we shouldn't be looking for Sasquatch. We shouldn't have conclusive proof. Malarkey. Look at the marble murelet and the swatted owl, the hundreds of millions of hectares of forest lands that were protected because of two creatures, uh, two birds. Well, can you imagine when there's documented proof of the other tribe that we... First Nations, North American Indians, Noah's out there, the Sasquatch. Well, you know, like I say with Canadians, you know, we Indigenous are more Canadian than Canadian. We don't have to pay tax on our, for anything on the reserve. If we work with a company based on reserve, we don't pay income tax. We have basically free Medicare in Canada. Well, that's three Indigenous tribes now. And most recently, the Métis are recognized as Indigenous. But before that, we First Nations and the Inuit are indigenous. Well, we have land claims, we have all these rights and titles and win these Supreme Courts. Can you imagine when Sasquatch is confirmed to be real? I think we're going to have the fourth indigenous group in Canada and in the United States. Well, who knows what's going to happen there, but same with Australia or their Yowie. You know, they're just starting to recognize the aboriginal rights and title. And, you know, they're back to what Canadian Indians were back in the 40s and 50s. They're just finally catching up. Well, if they find out that the Yowie is true, well, they're going to be getting rights, title, and land claims as well. 
So how often do you do you encounter like uh, resistance from from people in regards to the education that you're offering about the other tribes? When I first started, the crab syndrome with uh, our fellow indigenous was pretty rampant, almost on a weekly level. You know, I was even accused of being uh, taking tourists into one of our burial sites back in 2014, and they still rubbed that you know, try to crab syndrome and drag me down with that, where in truth it was four photographs that I asked someone to take of this burial site for a year-end chief and council report. And I'm the leader of Pacific Balance Marine Management, a Facebook group, and I'm the president of that group, which is eight First Nations, and we're fighting the Canadian government to give us rights to sell seals and sea lions that we harvest for food social ceremonial. So it'll employ up to 4,000 people. But anyway, daily I get attacked on that by the environmentalists, by my fellow indigenous, you know, my, our own indigenous people are the biggest suppressors of indigenous people like me. There's people that just despise me, loathe me, hate me. And the reason why? Because Tommy's on TV. Tommy used to be the host of Aboriginal Adventures Canada on Czech television. Tommy's on podcasts. Tommy's in tourist magazines. Now Tommy's all over the place when it concerns Sasquatch, and it's the crab syndrome. So I get attacked by, from my own people on a weekly basis now, where it used to be daily. But the reason why, how I overcame it, is I just head down horn sharp and proudly carry on my course, and I don't let them bother me or hold me back, because God forbid, they're just inferior people. That's why they attack me and other people that prosper. We know how it is. It's rampant in our communities, and we have to stop it. Yeah, I just got my first taste of uh, of blowback last week for for even doing this podcast. It's like I, I should like I, I got basically told I'm I'm not respecting these creatures enough, and I, I should be leaving well enough alone. And uh, like I, I tried to explain to this person, you know, I'm I'm doing it in a very respectful way. I want no harm to come to them, not none whatsoever. But it, it just it doesn't seem to matter. Like so, I'm just trying to break down that wall a little bit. Is is kind of the reason why I, I started this podcast to begin with. So it's nice to hear oh, someone that's that's on the same page as me. Yeah, like, you know, you look at uh, Finding Bigfoot, you know, that's one of the reasons why I started, oh, because they <laughs> were disrespectful to the Sasquatch by pounding trees. You know, tree pounding is based knocking. Is this the Sasquatch saying, stop, go away, I don't want you here? Well, here's a Sasquatch trying to eat or whatever at nighttime because they're nocturnal and humans in the night, I call them. And all of a sudden, there's a bunch of people banging around on trees, telling them to stop, leave, go away. And they think they're going to draw the Sasquatch to them by tree knocking. It's the complete opposite. And then, you know, you got the guy that put that show together. You know, he's got this thing. He's, last year, he was advertising tribal Bigfoot and how he's going to go to the Indian reserves and talk to the Indians. And, you know, I did a podcast on Sasquatch Island, my podcast series that you can find at monsterxradio.com. You know, I did one called uh, The Money Making of Sasquatch. And it's about how disrespectful it is for the non-natives to try to make money off we indigenous when it comes to the Sasquatch. And it's and what they should be saying, our people, instead of trying to crab syndrome you or me or any other indigenous person that's involved with Sasquatch, they should say it. It's better you to tell our stories and our encounters than some white guy trying to make a buck. That's how I look at it. That's very well put, and I think that's how I'm going to look at it from now on whenever I get to 
because I've had a few a few episodes of people uh, not not too happy with me, but it's I'm still pushing forward. So that's why actually I, one of the reasons I contacted you is I, I know how uh, how you feel on the subject. So I really wanted to get your opinion on my show just so that we can uh, be on the same page. And now people know um, that I'm doing this in the most respectful possible way that I, I can. So thank you so much for for sharing that opinion with me. Oh yeah, yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. You know, it's you know. It's, like I said, you know, we're beyond educating sometimes. Sometimes we got to smack them upside the head with a 4 by 4 and knock some sense into them. And that's our own people as well. You know, the crab syndromers that want to drag us down. You know, you're, you got a podcast. You know, I was amazed when you told me that tonight. I didn't put two and two together after I asked you if you're Indigenous. You know, you're, you're a role model, model for our youth. And, you know, that's what it's all about. You know, you and I are, you know, we're on doing something that most First Nations would never even contemplate doing. But a decade from now, there might be another dozen more Indigenous people doing it because those young people heard us. I hope so. That'd be nice. Yeah, that's actually, uh, I never thought of it that way, but uh, yeah, definitely. So if I could just change gears just for a second here. Now, I heard you on Sasquatch Chronicles a few years back, and now you told a story about uh, seeing some Sasquatch on a beach. Would you mind telling us that? Tell us that story again. That's where well, I was. It's my traditional territories. Our abandoned village is called Mimikonlis, the village of the rocks and the islands out front. It's known famously in many books and historical accounts as Mama Lalakula, village of the last potlatch. Because in 1922, that's where the potlatch was, was held that saw over 25 of our people sent to prison and all of our quite a bit of our regalia confiscated our treasure. And now it's housed in the Umich, the cultural center in Alert Bay. And definitely, if you're what I'm talking about, go to the Umichta, which is U-M-I-S-T-A dot C-A. And they have beautiful pictures and videos of the Chonakwa, Bakwas, and other things being danced. And also what I'm talking about. That's, you know, I use it as my research place because that's what it is. But that village, very famous. Well, we had a 26-foot trailer with a 10 by 10 addition there. And uh, in the early 1990s, I was also a captain of a commercial salmon seine boat. And we went in there before a chum salmon opening. I think it was the first part of October. Anchored out, got some crabs, went into the village, picked some plums. You know, it was normal. Nothing out of the ordinary. But that night, as we're cooking crabs on the Coleman stove on the hatch covers, me and... Uh, carrier first nation crewman dean we heard like it sounded like something hitting the side of that trailer about 150 yards away up on the beach you hear that tin bang and then we saw two big shadows go by the front of that trailer and you gotta remember it's you know three-quarter moon a little bit of clouds but the moon shining no wind and you know we heard this whistle chirp chattering noise and right away, you're, you know, two native guys on deck, you're, our minds are going, you know, because we talked about it later. You know, what is that? What is that? It's not a mink. It's not a, a deer. It's not a night bird. And you heard that whistle chirp again, and all of a sudden, wow, this yachbala, big stink. And right there, I knew, uh-oh, I think that's uh, Sasquatch. So I went and pulled uh, my girlfriend and my other crewman in the galley, and the four of us were on deck, and we could hear it. And it was my engineer, big, tall, white fella. He was so scared, he went and hid in the forecastle downstairs. He wouldn't come back up. <laughs> but we put the spotlight on, and 
lo and behold, there's a big female and a big male, and they drop down just like we're taught to dance in the big house, and we dance uh, bukwas and jonakwa. The same type of posturing, putting the arm in front of its face, and the female rolled up like a fetal position on its knees with her bum pointing our way. You could see the hair, you could smell them. Oh, they're stink. We had the light on them for quite a while. We turned it off, and then you could hear them walk in the bush, and they pushed a big dead. Sound like uh, well, we looked at it the next day as a rotten hemlock. It pushed down about eight inches in diameter. And then, you know, my girlfriend went to sleep. Trevor was hiding downstairs. We started the motor because we had the bat spotlight on for so long to charge batteries. And an hour and a half later, I shut the motor off. And Dean and I went on deck again to listen. And all of a sudden, we could see it and hear it again. And that's when it comes to this. We're in a bay. And the boat's sort of parallel with the shore. And the shore it's walking up now is some 80, 60 yards from us. And you distinctly watch this thing creep it. And then Dean goes, what the heck is that? And that thing stood up and it just went, oh. And he's, I always remember in the moonlight, that long hair hanging off its biceps on its arm. And then it just started striding. Boom, 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 boom. Grabbed an alder tree and pulled it and went into the bush. And you could hear it going to the slough. Sounded like a, you know, a big, grizzly bear walking through, but bipedal. There's crash, 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 and the sound of the rubbing salal, and then it whistled, chirped, and then a higher chirp up above the female, and that was it. But that whole sighting took place over about an hour and a half, and we had it in the spotlight twice, and it was big. That's for darn sure. It never, it never got scared of the light? Well, yeah, it put its arm up in front of its face, but they knew that, I guess, you know, like we say, it, it knew it was like a deer being pit-lapped. It wasn't moving. It was just staying there. You know, that's one of the reasons why, you know, we didn't want to keep the spotlight on too long, mind you. We did have it on for probably 15 minutes or more. But, you know, it just would not move. You'd see its arm. You could tell it was breathing because you'd see the reflection of its uh, two. When they first started, the eyes were like a buck, red-orange. And then it sort of dissipated and went more greenish-yellow. And the female, you could see her one eye looking underneath her uh, right armpit, looking back under, because remember, she's on her knees in a fetal position, so she's looking under her arm at the boat, the spotlight. The big male with his arm in front of his face, you'd see two eyes, one and a half eye, one eye, two eyes, one and a half. So you could tell that arm is going up and down, I guess, as it was breathing, and the reflection. and. All I'm, you know, I'll never forget just how big and broad those shoulders were. So what's going through your mind though? Like when you when you see this, like like you you obviously believed in in, in these in the people before this encounter happened, correct? Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that. so when when you actually finally see one, what's going through your head? Is it is it disbelief? Is it is it shock? Is it because I know when I had my own encounter when I first seen it, I, 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 there was no my I just went almost dead it just i, I couldn't yeah. process what was happening and, and so it was it didn't even occur to me to shine a light or, or to like my mind wasn't there so like how, how did how did this creature uh, affect you in that way well you gotta remember we we're a lot younger back then you know we we're stupid young men and you know one of the things that crossed our mind is holy we could be millionaires if we bring one in 
And the guns did come out, but my girlfriend, she was, Tom, you know the, your native stories and beliefs. Nothing might happen to you, but something bad is going to happen to me and my kids probably. And that was what, you know, got through to us, you know, at the heat of the moment, I guess you could say. And then we, I'm like, Dean, put your gun up, put your gun up. No, we're not going to shoot it unless it tries to get aggressive and come on our boat or whatever. But, you know, and then after that, it was just, you're just in awe. It's just like, wow, I'm looking at two Sasquatches. And at one point, I mean, I think it's a deer. Steve's like, come on, Tommy, that's no bloody deer. Two Sasquatches. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you you bring up the, the bringing up guns. Um, like I've heard a lot of stories. I've talked to some elders in the area where I live, and and they've mentioned that a lot of people believe that these 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 other this other tribe they can they can uh, uh, teleport, uh, they can enter portals, they they can basically disappear at will. Like, and what 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 are your thoughts on that? Out of respect for the tribes that believe in the supernatural side of it at that level. Total respect for them. But me, I'm, I was a bear hunting guide for over 20 years and other animals as well, fishing guide. I was one of the first humans to ever do a commercial grizzly bear tour and whale watch tour. So to me, it's just the creature. I, you know, they leave tracks, they leave food, they eat, they harvest shellfish and cockles and deer. So to me, they're just a critter. And I've been close enough to them on, new, on a few occasions. Because you remember, I lived in Bush for 26 years or more, and I'm still going to Bush constantly. I hate the concrete world, and especially now with COVID. But when you're out there, you know, you can't be worrying about things like I tell people. I don't go to what we call the woo-woo side in uh, the Sasquatch community of investigators and enthusiasts. I don't cross that line. It's, it's like my grandfather was... Uh, uh, hereditary clan chief and I'd see him up at the big house and regalia and talking stick and speaking in Kwakula. But on Sunday morning I'd see him in robes of the Anglican faith because he was a lay minister. And his book is called Guests Never Leave Hungry. If anyone wants a copy, I got a bunch. But anyway, he brought me up that Tom, I walked two paths in life. The Christian one and the Kwakwaki walk one. I don't blend them and mix them. There's like a wall between the two lives, the two cultures. So with the Sasquatch investigating and research, the community, the industry, because it is an industry, there's, you can't cross. There's no in-between. And, you know, so being an indigenous person, of course, I believe that supernatural power is, you know, of different creatures and that, and in our culture. But it, the Sasquatch is said to be from this, spiritual world because that's why when you carve it it has hollow eyes not natural eyes like a whale or a deer or an eagle and you know it's it has a lot of power to give wealth to people but for what i do as an investigator you know if someone is not native and they come into me about porthole jumping cloaking mind speaking ufo flying sasquatches i just respectfully walk away from them I have nothing positive to interact in communication with them about that part of Sasquatch. And with my fellow indigenous people, you know, if I'm doing investigations, you know, my brand is uh, with Sasquatch Islands podcast that's on Monster X Radio. Monster X Radio, our tagline is Bigfoot without the BS. 
that means we don't cross over into that spiritual side and because we're critterous, we call ourselves. So, you know, it's it's tough. I know being especially being indigenous, it's tough for me not to be able to cross over, but I can't. I have to stay a critterist. And it's you know, it's like being a you know, an indigenous person trying to assimilate into modern world, you know. Uh, as much as we try, a lot of times, a lot of non-Indigenous people look at us as dirty, rotten, filthy Indians that should only be seen when we want to see them and spoken to when we want to hear them, which isn't too often at all, if any time. So, you know, it's a tough balance in that. Yeah, I definitely understand. Like, I, I, I've, I've heard that thing, the, the spiritual side of, of these creatures, and then I've heard, and, but then I've seen the actuality of what, what they are. And, and I, I want to, I, I really do want to reach out and believe in, in some sort of level of spirituality with, with, with them. But at the same time, I know what I saw. So it's, yeah. it's a tough balance to try to figure that out. Right. Like, and, and so it, it, therein lies the struggle. And I think that's where a lot of the flack comes from, from the first nations communities around here, at least for me anyway, is uh, where that comes from is that there is no in between. There's no balance in between. It's just either it is or it isn't. Yeah. And I, and I really you know, don't agree with that. So, yeah, and it's like I say, it's up to us to educate them. You know, it's not, you know, of course, there's tribes that I've interacted with that they're adamant that they don't even talk about the Sasquatch or the little people, the stick people. And, you know, it's, I respect that. And I don't investigate in their traditional territories because I got to ask them protocol and permission and they're not going to give it to me. So I just don't push it. You know, it's no man's land. But, uh, you know, for the others, we have to educate them too. That you know, you got to look at our poverty rates, our death by suicide, diabetes, heart failure, death by alcohol. They're in our communities and in our society. They're far higher than the Canadian average by many points. Well, it's up to us to change that. And how do we change that? Well, that's why I've worked with the Omaha Indian Tribe and others to help start their eco cultural tourism expeditions of bringing people out into the realm of the Sasquatch in their traditional territories. A lot of people laugh at me about because I do expeditions where I charge people to bring them out. And on two occasions, my clients got lucky and gifted and they got to see a Sasquatch. Actually, three times got to see a Sasquatch. So they're revenue generators. But people will laugh at me. Oh, you do Sasquatch expeditions. Yeah, they were laughing at me when I helped do the first sea, commercial sea kayak trip in Johnson Straits in 1981. They laughed at me when I was bringing people out on a speedboat to see grizzly bears and orcas. Well, those are multi-million dollar industries now in British Columbia. And I see places where the non-natives are making millions hand over fists in whale watching grizzly bear tours and sea kayaking and hunting being guide outfitters well right next door the unemployed indians the economic development officers which i call direct depositors that god forbid i get a direct deposit every two weeks and you emailed me phoned me came into my office and actually expect me to do something for my paycheck god forbid you're just a pushy indian aren't you well, those guys there, they should be bending over backwards and saying, hey, look, we need to bring in these fellow indigenous that have prospered in industries that we can do within our communities. So Mount Curry, for example, you know, Pemberton area, how close it's to Whistler. You know, when pandemic's over, that place is boom.
booming with rich people going up with money that would like nothing more than to jump in a 12-passenger van picked up in their hotel and go driving down logging roads and with FLIR night vision uh, camera on the roof with flat screen TVs dropped down two or three times in that 12-passenger or 24-passenger bus that every Indian band has. They're paying $400 each times 12 times 24 to go possibly see a Sasquatch at night. And if not a Sasquatch, you're going to see deer, elk, cougar, bears, wolves, owls, and they're going to come back and give tips to the Indian driver and the Indian tour guide, and they're going to go, Vandava, we want to see the Sasquatch. We come again next year, eh? Here's a tip, 100 bucks. <laughs> so you really and want to dive into the, to the whole industry of getting the First Nations bands around British Columbia, and I'm assuming the States as well, uh, to get them oh, into, into you know, the business of, of, of Sasquatch. Well, if we don't do it, Whitey will. That's one of the quotes I have for as an economic development consultant. And, you know, you got to remember, I was one of the, worked my way up as a director on Aboriginal Tourism in British Columbia to be its chairman. And we helped with the incorporation of the Indian cultural component into the 2010 Olympics. And I was helped with that. And look what we did with 2010 and the Aboriginal cultural component. I was also an executive director on Aboriginal Tourism Team Canada, which is now Indigenous Tourism Canada. And I've been around the block, and I've always told people that, you know, yeah, you got to make money. you got to rub loonies together so it's a monsoon of profit raining down upon you and your people. Because if you don't, if you don't, Whitey will. And you always got to remember that. And with Sasquatches, you know, there's already a multi growing number of Sasquatch expedition companies in North America. And I'm the only one that's indigenous and that's got to change because every Indian reserve that I've been to investigating, they have a multitude of stories because the Sasquatch knows that living closer to the Indians is a lot better than living close to the non-natives. But then again, they are coming into the urban environment as well at nighttime. But that's a whole nother podcast for us to talk about. <laughs> So was this a slow build, like as you, as uh, the Sasquatch has kind of changed your life over the years? Uh, how long have you been in the business of actually uh, expeditions and the YouTube channel and the, the podcast and whatnot? Oh, probably about four years on the podcasting with Sasquatch Island, and uh, you can actually see it. The date would be the first one I did with Wes Germer, one thirty-four, I believe, is the episode number. And it'll show the date, the timestamp there. So that's when I did my first podcast and I was introduced to it. And then within a couple months, I had my own going with Monster X. But, you know, I was, when I was a native watchman in that abandoned native village in the late 80s, early 90s, and through the 90s, I had television companies coming and interviewing me for everything from native culture to Sasquatch, quite a few. I got even got video YouTube clips of me when I had a lot of hair and it was black and I was you know, a lot slimmer back then than <laughs> in my early 30s. So I've been at it, you know, 55 now, so I've been at it probably, I guess you could say, 20 years, but really put my, turned it into a, I guess you could say, a business to help generate revenue, because I do West Coast Native Art of Jonah and other things. You'll see it on my Facebook group, Sasquatch Island, when you scroll through. But I have to go back to Frank Brown, the Hiltzook, First Nations teenager who got in trouble and he got banished and uh, punished by putting being put on an island out in the Hiltzook 
territories in the central coast. And he actually saw Bequist while he was out there. But he's, he's made it. He's well-educated. He's been the head of numerous different things. I think he works for Parks Canada right now in the Gulf Islands in the Salish Sea. And he's one of the strong advocates for the Watchmen Guardian programs and different things and protecting your environment. But he was on podium one time years ago, and I heard him say, how can we commodify our culture and our heritage? Well, commodify isn't even a word in Webster's Dictionary or in Spellcheck on Google, but commodify our culture and heritage. Well, as a Kwakwakiwak, we have the potlatch system, the tier structures, and back in the day, our chiefs would compete with one another by smashing copper and outdoing one another with gifts at potlatch and celebrations and so forth. So, in essence, the Kwakwakiwak have always commodified their culture and heritage and made, I guess you could say, a buck from it. But you look at every other indigenous tribe, as contact was made, how many of those sailing ships would stop in coastal British Columbia for the indigenous hunters because they were good at hunting seals, and they would bring them up to the Bering Sea and the Privilofs to hunt fur seals. How many indigenous people became trappers and voyageurs with the French Canadians that were going across Canada, establishing the different trade networks and everything. And we even got the third indigenous tribe out of Canada called the Métis from the interaction of indigenous people and the white pioneers and trappers that first came here. So looking at it now, the Sasquatch Bigfoot, when someone says, how can you make money off it? That's so wrong. Why is it so wrong? Instead of attacking the individual, why don't you enlighten us on why it's so wrong? Why is it so wrong to try to buy milk and cornflakes for your kingdom on them, your children? Why is it so wrong to try to tear yourself from poverty that just is rampant within the indigenous communities of Canada? And I think Sasquatch, because we have our Indian reserves and our land claims and our traditional territories, and it is sacred, well, it's up to the indigenous if they say, no, we don't want any Sasquatch commercialization within our traditional territories. Here's the Bank Council resolution. And everyone has to uphold it, just like they do with pipelines and logging and mining and fish farming now. So, but if the native group wants to say, yeah, we want to see it, but we don't want to see a bunch of different tour companies running around here because it has to only be our people that are doing the tours because we know how to respect Sasquatch. We know how to interact with Sasquatch, so we're not upsetting them. <clears throat> and that's why I think it's so important that indigenous people instead of attacking their fellow indigenous that are involved with the Sasquatch industry, they sit down with us at our fires and let us tell us them our story. And maybe they'll do their jobs and maybe those direct depositor band managers will actually do something and get off their butt and go, hey, Tom, we need you to come in and talk to our people about how they can get into the eco-cultural tourism industry of Sasquatches, grizzly bear tours, sea kayaking or lake kayaking, because you have all this experience. You've done it for over three decades. So, yeah, I completely understand. I, and actually, you know what? I agree with you 100%. Is that where your Sasquatch Island um, chapters come in? Like, you have different groups all around the province, correct? Mostly on Vancouver Island, but I got uh, other guys that are out there, you know, investigating or keeping me up to speed what's going on in their traditional territories. Like, you know, I pretty much get a monthly call 
on Messenger from some of the West Coast uh, communities on Vancouver Island, um, Mount Curry. I got a couple people there. You know, I know all about the one sleeping under that bridge at Mount Curry. You know, and, uh, you know, it's basically the modern-day Moccasin Telegraph smoke signals is Facebook. And, you know, I'm getting <laughs> calls and reports all over the place. And then I get some that, you know, I send them, I want to be a Sasquatch Island chapter member. I'm like, hey, why don't you be the president? We need someone from up in your neck of the woods in Merritt. What size T-shirt do you take? And I send them a Sasquatch Island T-shirt. Well, we'll have to talk after we get off the air here because I, I got some stories that we can tell you. Yeah, there's a, we've been kind of, we've been, uh, we, we've had a group that's kind of gone out in the woods for the past couple of years now. We've had some stories, but COVID kind of shut all that down. So that's one of the reasons I actually started the podcast is because I wanted to continue my education on these, on these people. So um, before we wrap up, and I want to thank you again for your time, Toms. Um, do you have any, where, where can people find you? Oh, the best thing is, uh, just go to Facebook, Sasquatch Island. Ask to join. Once I accept you right away, go to the bathroom, sit down with a beverage, and scroll away and be amazed because you're not going to see repetitive posts from the other groups. It's mostly about my sharing my experience and uh, different things we're doing, my native art on Sasquatch. You can go to YouTube and subscribe to Sasquatch Island, our channel. And I just posted another video tonight, and I think there's like 25 up so far. And then SasquatchIsland.com, if someone wants an expedition or just know a little bit more about me, that's the best way. Don't be offended if you friend request me under Thomas Seawood. I probably won't accept you because I'm only accepting personal friends on my one that I know eyeball to eyeball because it's just, I'm getting too many and Facebook will shut me down. But, you know, if you are really want to be a personal friend with me, email me your profile picture and a little bit about, you know, a couple of uh, sentences about who you are and what you're up to, and I'll accept you. You got to remember, I'm, you know, being bombarded with well over 100 friend requests per day. So it's <laughs> I think I did when I first heard you on, on Sasquatch Chronicles. I was like, oh, man, I got a friend this guy. He sounds so cool. Yeah, I have a form letter I usually send out when I get time, but it usually takes, right now I think I'm 100 and, or 800 and something friend <laughs> requests behind right now, so it takes me quite a while. Yeah. Well, I'm going to have to have you back on again in the future here, because we got so much stuff to talk about, like, I just wish we could, I could sit here and talk to you like for four hours about it. Oh yeah, no, we don't want to bore the listeners. The best <laughs> thing is that we'll just break it up in segments. Like one of the ones we should really talk about is native art and Sasquatch. Oh, you know what? It's I'm going to bring you back, and we're going to talk about that because I've seen some of the most amazing art. Where I've, I've actually started a collection of my own of uh, individual like painters from around the province that have, uh, you know, the Sasquatch on them. It, it's gorgeous. It's absolutely gorgeous, and they're sought after. It's we'll, we'll definitely have to do an episode on that one. Yeah, no, definitely. And uh, and also, go to Sasquatch Island, take a scroll through. I've been doing these fur bowls with uh, Sasquatch designs on it. They're pretty cool. Some of them even glow in the dark. <laughs> well, thanks again, Thomas. I really, really appreciate your time. I was uh, really looking forward to this. When you to when I contacted you and you said yes, I was like, oh my God, okay, now i got to really bring my A game for this episode. And I, I, you know what? You didn't disappoint. Thank you again for coming uh, on. I really good. appreciate your time. Thank you very much for having me. And to all the listeners out there, thank you for listening to me chatter, chatter, chatter with this fellow, like a couple Sasquatches. And in my language, Halakulisla. Go in peace. Thank you very much. To the listeners, we'll be right back.
and welcome back everyone thank you all for sticking around uh let's uh get ready to pull a pin on this one uh but before we do i just want to say thank you again you know huge thank you huge thank you to thomas for taking the time to speak to us tonight he, he, very opinionated and i love that about it because you know this subject is very uh uh tentative it changes from you know week to week month to month year to year there's always something new that pops up that we didn't know before so i'm uh, looking forward to speaking to thomas again sometime in the future uh you know i'm really excited about where, where all this is headed so uh if you want to find thomas you can see him on uh let's see uh, youtube.com slash seasons of the sasquatch youtube.com slash sasquatch island and you can find him on facebook at sasquatch island and monsterxradio.com is where you can find all his uh his episodes uh yeah go in and sign up it's a it's a nice little website uh, but once again, before we go, if you have had any encounter and you would like to share it with me, I can be reached at NicolaValleyBigfoot at gmail.com. Of course, NicolaValleyBigfoot at gmail.com. Nicola is spelled N-I-C-O-L-A. Uh, I'm looking forward to hearing from you guys. Uh, this is uh, growing a little bit quicker than I really uh, thought it would. So let's uh, keep it going. we got some momentum. Let's ride it out. See where it takes us. Until, uh, so with that, uh, until the next time, I'm looking forward to it. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye.